There was two things that drove me. Naivety got me started and fear kept me going. No matter how much you love what you do, even as a parent, there's days where you go, I don't want to be a bum today. Yeah. I'll be one tomorrow, but today I just need <laughs> just a give break. give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. Same with business. You know, yeah. I love my business, but I need a break from it. One of the greatest things in business is that no one is more nor less than anyone else. If you want to go down a path of a business owner and you want this to be a big business, then there's no such thing as life balance. It's just life. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Today we're joined by one of my business idols, the amazing Janine Alice, who many of you will know as the founder of pioneering wellness empire Boost Juice and an investor on Shark Tank. Janine launched Boost in 2000 from a kitchen table in Melbourne after seeing the juice bar trend in the US at the age of 30 with no previous business experience. She is now the founder of Retail Zoo, which is the mother company not only of Boost Juice, but also as of 2007, Salsas and another business she founded, Cibo Espresso, which has since been acquired in 2012. Retail Zoo turned over just on $2 billion around May 2018, with over 630 stores in 15 countries, sales of over $250 million per annum and 7,000 staff. Unsurprisingly, Janine has been recognised as Telstra Businesswoman of the Year, Amex Retailer of the Year, was awarded Exporter of the Year, and in 2018, BRW named her one of the 15 people that changed the way Australia does business in the last 35 years. She works alongside husband Jeff Alice and is also a mother of four. I was lucky enough to speak alongside Janine recently in Fiji at Nurture Her and was captivated by her energy, sense of humour and wisdom. So excited to have her here today for an express episode that we squeezed into her crazy schedule to kickstart your year and give 2019 a boost. Thank you so much for having me, Janine. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast. And it was so lovely to meet you in Fiji. We had such a nice time. It was a great location and great, a lot of, some really wonderful women. I, I mean, know. It was, it was, and it was such a, um, they were very uh, honest and transparent and, you know, it was a good environment because I think quite often people go to those type of events and it's normally an afternoon or a morning, so you're already still in your head with what you're doing. So it was a really good way of doing it where you can go, and then feel in tuned or inclined to open up. Yeah, I think we spend so much time working in our businesses and not on them or on ourselves because Correct. we're just in your own personal environment. You're so bogged down by responsibility and the daily grind. It's so nice to get out of that kind of, you know, hustle and bustle. So I love to start with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them because a lot of our guests, like yourself, are incredibly successful and from the outside to, you know, the everyday person can seem quite intimidating. So just to cut through the glossy surface that can sometimes appear on the outside, what is something superhuman about you? I think everything about me is <laughs> is um, human without the super. Yeah. Um, I would call you a bit of a superhuman, but <laughs> oh, you see, I've got someone fooled. Yes. <laughs> um, look, I think the the reality is, yeah, with that down to earth. So it's sort of other people sort of to judge or not to judge whether you whether you're a down to earth person or not. I think what did um, I think a friend of mutual friend of ours, Marsha 
the yoga yes. instructor. Yeah, you know, I think she said the other day was, you know, what people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. And uh, which I love that line because we get so caught up in what people think about us. But look, you know, I suppose, you know, like like everyone, you, you do think that if you see someone on TV or you see someone successful that they are someone different or someone above above us and I I had that experience when I was traveling you know I was working as um you know I grew up in the burbs and you know my (laughs) mum was someone that had movie books all over the place and suddenly I was you know after traveling around the world I ended up being on a yacht with David Bowie and so I suddenly was meeting people like David Bowie Mick Jagger and and Robert Williams and Eric Idle and you know Steve Martin and Michael Caine all these incredible actors and superstars and rock stars and what I realised was, you know, you know, like what you said, how you introduced it, was, you know, you think that they are, you know, there's us normal human beings and then there's <laughs> the super gods, which yeah. are these celebrities. But you know what? What you find when you live with them and breathe with them and, you know, serve their drinks, because, you know, clearly that's what I was there for. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> um, and clean their toilets. Um, was that in actual fact they have the same fears, the same dreams, the same pro- relationship problems, the same concern. I remember Bowie coming up to me one time. He was having a um, boat warming. And, as you do. As you do. <laughs> and, you know, there was a movie called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. And it had Michael Caine in it and Steve Martin. And he had never met them before. And they were, they, we happened to be in the same port as they were, they were filming. And he, and he came up to me and he was really nervous that these, you know, mega movie stars were coming onto the boat. And I remember looking at him and I went, mate, you're a rock star. And, um, and he just laughed and walked away. But just to even see that insight into people of going, oh, that's right, that's right, he, that's... He gets nervous. He gets nervous. He gets impressed. He thinks other people are superhuman. I think the reality is that, and it's one of the greatest things in business, is that no one is more nor less than anyone else. And I think that quite often in business we go into business and we think that the person that we're in the room with, they are smarter than us or they're more accomplished than us or they know more than us. And interesting interesting is that when you are running a business, no one knows more about your business than you do. No one does. And... No one, and yes, they might know the law more, or they know might know accounting more, or they might, like in David Bowie's case, you know, be a very incredibly talented artist. But no one is moral, more or less. And I think that was one of the things I learnt by hanging out with rock stars and movie stars, and you know, working for him, was that when you're actually working in business and you're in a room, you're there for an outcome. You're not necessarily there because they're worse or better. So I think that always people should go in with the, not arrogance, because we're all in this life journey to learn and be the best we can be, but to actually stand your ground and know that you are enough. Yeah, absolutely. Such good advice. And it's funny that when you do first meet someone who's like got quite a big profile, I always expect them to be physically larger, like or to have some like glowing aura around them. But when you see them and they're the same size as you, they're the same body as you, you know, you're like, oh, you're just a person. You take up the same amount of space as a normal person. You know, it just brings you back down to like, okay, (laughs) we're all on a level playing field to some extent. (laughs) No, I think we are. I think we are. And, And I think that also, you know, you have people who are intellectually smarter you have you know um, academics you have you know um, someone was was talking to someone the other day and they said that he was an academic he was from one of the universities and he was saying that he wouldn't hire anyone unless they've got a degree and I said oh my god I don't want to judge people because I hate judging people but you go wow how 
how amazing that you would miss out on a segment of people who've done a different journey who are extraordinary, extraordinarily talented mm. and you're just cutting them off because they have done a different path. Yeah. You know, for, for me, you know, I didn't do university, not because I didn't want to. It's just that it wasn't a um, – no one else no, – no one in my area did it. My mm. school was a tech school. We went to year 11. So, you know, why, how can you judge anyone? From, so I would equally not judge someone if they have a uni degree. Or not, or who cares? It's their determination and their guts and their and their that X factor you look for. And you know, if, they, if they've gone the path of uni, great. If they haven't, great. Yeah, you know, it all comes with its own benefits it, and downfalls. And it does. And I don't think actually one path is right or one path is wrong. I think that's the key. Mm. Whatever path you take to get where you are is the right path for you. Yeah, such good advice. And so, so hard to remember and keep that in the forefront front of your mind. But when you do, you realise like people cut themselves off from meeting other great people when they put in those bl- mm. bright line rules that don't look beyond a person's paper credentials or whatever. And Personally, I love it when people do because yeah. because that means there's more of a pool of people that I so if they've missed out on these some absolute <laughs> that you can guns take. <laughs> that I can take. Yeah. So everyone listening to this, continue to judge people like that so I can get all the best people. All the talent. <laughs> so you touched on a few things which reminded me what an incredibly interesting and awesome pathway that you've had to get to where you are. And so many different diverse jobs that obviously helped you form such a diverse knowledge and wisdom and insight. So the first segment I always start with is called way ta which is pretty much just everything in your pathway that led to where you are now so from the very beginning can you take us back to young janine were you cool at school were you interested were you entrepreneurial from the beginning and like i was reading before the list of jobs you've had they're so diverse it's everything from advertising at mccann to a nanny in france to a model to promotions exec in portugal you've been obviously with david bowie in the mediterranean a publicist for united international pictures like that's only half the list so <laughs> i know maybe i was a millennial before the millennials I came along. I think you maybe started it. <laughs> I might have. I might have. Um, look, you know, so what was I a kid? I was a kid that was obsessed with netball. Yeah, I'm obsessed with winning. I love winning. Still love. If I play your cards, I will not let them. I've got a 10-year-old and I've never let her win a game of cards. <laughs> so, yeah. The day, the, actually, I haven't let her win at anything. She has to earn it. Um, <laughs> so, no. So, I, um, you know, it was about sport. I love my sport. You know, I was brought up in um, the burbs of Melbourne and that was pretty much sort of my, my life. It was, you know, four times a week training and making rep teams and, you know, trying to be the best netballer I could be. It was not a – I didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body, but I did have a, a um, an adventurous bone. And so for me, it was pretty much till, since I was probably 19, I really wanted to travel. So it took me, you know, other than that basic trip, you everyone does to Bali at some point back, yeah. in, the, back in the day, <laughs> uh, or even now. I was about to say. <laughs> still happens. But, um, yeah, no, so pretty much 21 was the backpack on my back and off I went and travelled around the world, told mum I was leaving for three months, came back seven years later. Wow, know, seven years travelling. Seven years of just letting – yes, just actually it was a – great time because I let life take me on a journey instead of planning so literally I arrived in a country met someone where are you going Denmark okay I'll go to Denmark okay where are you going oh we're we're here the Tenerife's good okay I'll go to Tenerife and so it was one of those things where you just let life and you arrived and went okay what do we do now and it was and it was a great way to live a little for a little while yeah it was a really good way to live 
so liberating. I don't think many people get that in their life or if they do, it's not that early. They no. might, you know, they go through a lot of structure and routine and planning and goals and then later in life they're like, there's so much more out there. I'm going to just go with the flow. But I love that you started there. I think what it did was it gave me a foundation. Actually, interesting, I, I draw on a lot of those lessons back then in business because one of the things in business that you do have to have is that uh, failure is not an option. Mm. Now, when you are a young, dumb, seriously dumb, um, I doubt that. Uh, naive young girl <laughs> at 21 who really hadn't been at Lily out of the country and then throw herself into various countries that she'd never been in before who thought that there was no danger anywhere. And, you know, I got myself into all sorts of pickles. I think I was nearly raped twice. Oh, I was kidnapped geez. once. I was, you know, I was... Um, uh, not surprising, though, when you think about it. You're just going off into, like... I was seriously an idiot. And then I had um, guys in my back of the car who had a contract on their life for finding <gasps> a safe house for them. I felt like I was in the born identity. Yeah. Um, what you know, an adventure. We had 20 of my friends got put into jail because they were in a fight and three three months later the judge still hadn't didn't had, didn't let them out. They were still in there? Still in there three months later. Um, it was just like this – Just, but what it taught me was it taught me that you have to find a solution yes. because you get yourself into situations where the option to fail was so dire – that there was no option. So you had to use your wits, your intelligence, your EQ, your um, everything you have to get you out of situations. And and I, and I know that sounds extreme when you go into business. Business is the same. A failure is not an option. You have to find a solution to it. You know, there is no other way other than find a way through it. And you know, so definitely travel is a great grounding for life. I think so too. And I think the common theme of a lot of people who do do really well in business is that resilience from the life experience they've had up until that point. It's generally not people who have had smooth sailing. It's the people who have gone out and done things that make them uncomfortable or that they're not familiar with. Correct. I think also you think back then is it was very, like, very, very beta back then, right? There was no Facebook. There was no mobile phones. There was no Instagram, there was nothing. So in actual fact, everything you did, you couldn't just solve it by getting online and doing something. There wasn't a phone to actually use to call someone. So you had to problem solve in real life. (laughs) So the problem solves had to be more creative, um, a lot harder, uh, you know, less less options. Yeah. So it it was a um I mean it's nearly unbelievable for you know, because I don't feel like I'm that old. Um, (laughs) You're not at all. But (laughs) to think that it wasn't really that long ago that there was no – these things that we can't live without, which is our iPhones and our smartphones, to give us all the information that we possibly need, to think that, you know, my whole – most of my life was without even a mobile phone. People just go, what? How does that work? (laughs) How did you do a selfie? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you've actually had to stick to your appointments. You couldn't just like change them at the last minute. And people just had to wait for a couple of days for me to get back to them. Yeah. How ironic was that? Wow. I know. Imagine <laughs> that. And so your light bulb moment for Boost Juice came when you were in the middle of those travels in the US. So what were the very first steps for you in coming off the back of that big travel, adventurous, self-discovery experience to... I want to be a businesswoman. Mm. How did that happen? And I I often think that what people want to hear most about is the minute when you went from nothing to a business, whereas what we tend to think about is once you've got your business, these are the challenges. Mm. But the people who don't have a business yet, they want to hear how you made it a thing. And that always does take one first small step that we forget about because you take it for granted now. You're like, what, the business is so old now? Like, it's been around forever. So what were those first few moments? 
Look, I think it's interesting. It wasn't sort of like I did my big travel and then I came back as a single mum actually with a, a two-year-old because that's what happens when you go overseas. Yeah. You get into all sorts of trouble. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry, mum. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Back with a child. Yes, I know. I got extra page. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we came with – so for me I sort of came back to Australia and really hadn't been around for seven years. So I had no – really no many friends a few school friends that had gone off in their own life I um yeah where people have been forging their careers I've been I've got great mates overseas all over the world and you know known well in my area so literally at 27 year old starting from scratch and it was a um you know interesting because I've been living on yachts and going to the Grand Prix and going to the Cannes Film Festival and going to these you know super places suddenly I'm back in Baronia (laughs) um living as a single mum with my parents like so it was it was a massive um come down in some respects but actually one of the things I firm believe is that you need to to make your own path and one of the person people that I met in those when I was traveling is is a very good friend of David Bowie's a man man called David Putnam who is a producer of a film a couple of his most famous ones Midnight Express and The Killing Fields you know amazing films And he was a director of Village Roadshow and he actually got me an introduction to Graham Burke, who's the CEO of Village Roadshow, and I found myself running cinemas. So that was sort of my way back into Australia. So I ran cinemas for a while, um, went to Singapore and helped set up them over there. Oh, wow. And with my two-year-old, who was now three. (laughs) And it was really coming back to Australia and then I I met someone again in Singapore who introduced me to UIP, which then I got my job as a publicist. And it was really through that time when uh, I met my partner and my man who just walked in a minute ago, you know, that hairy guy who looks the builder. <laughs> yep. Right, that's my husband. Yep. Husband now. Yep. yep. Nice. Yeah, 20, that one lasted. 23 years. <laughs> oh, still, wow. Still going strong. Congratulations. Yes. Still, I still really dig him. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I know. Because in actual fact, apparently in our age, it's the times when we... You know, yeah, we yeah. look and go, actually, do we really want to be together? No, so, you're still into that. Still digging. Yeah, so nice. still digging, which is nice, mostly. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Not always. I mean, I feel like that's the same with everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it was really with him and his support that I went, okay, then, you know, what do we want to do? So really it was a few years later then because I had started having children, so I had two more children and it was on maternity leave with my third from UIP when I, you know, I met, when we had that moment of, okay, I don't really want to go back to work again. Because I think what happens is, and people fall into it is you get up, you go through your routines, you get on the wheel of life and you go to bed. You get up and you're off you go again. You might get the same coffee, you might get the same juice, you might get the same breakfast, you <laughs> might do the same thing. Like you, you do the same thing and you go back to sleep. So in actual fact, in some respects, it's not a surprise that women are probably one of the, the leaders in their starting their own business because it's actually when they have a break, which you know, we're forced to when we have children or or we have an aha moment that we want to stop, so you actually stop and reflect and go, actually, what do I want? It's the first time that I'm off that wheel of life that I've actually forced to stop and go, do I want to go back to the job that I want? Mm. Maybe not. Do I want to do my own thing? Do I want to have the flexibility to you know, um, be at home or you know, manage my children in life? Or do I want to have that time where I can actually do it differently? Can I do it differently? So you ask yourself those questions and the answer was yes, 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 yes. I want to do it differently. I didn't want to work for someone else because I found my frustrations and stress were from other people's decisions. So I might as well make my own mistakes and get frustrated at my own decisions than sitting there and worrying about, you know, what other people were doing. So it was really that 
moment of I so the first moment was I wanted to start my own business with the you know certainly with the support of that hairy hairy guy walked, walked out <laughs> and then the second one was what and so I was a publicist and, and Jeff was in radio and so we thought we'd tour comedians um, that didn't work we tried publishing that didn't work and it was actually in a trip to America that we I saw the juice and smoothie category and I actually didn't like um, the concepts but it, but all it took was that spark of I, there is nothing in this market that is truly healthy to go out with, and I thought that wouldn't it be awesome if I could be a force to help people get more fruit and vegetables in their diet. That's what I thought because yeah, you know, I used to take my daughter to the um, local milk bar and she have a banana smoothie that came mm. from a squirty bottle. Yeah, right. No bananas in that, honey. Yeah. Right. So I thought, well, imagine having a banana smoothie that actually had a banana in it. You know, so that's revolutionary why, at the time. Oh as silly God. as that sounds now, it's I like imagine having real fruit vegetables in something. Yeah, and, you know, like, and the the reality is, is that you pick up a packet of anything of, of half what we eat, and you look at what's in it. There is more. There's no food. There's numbers. There's long words that we can't pronounce. But mm. there's no food, and so we've forgotten that we've forgotten the art of eating food. And so even our um, most indulgent smoothie that we've got, say cookies and cream, still has bananas, it still has cultures, it still has yogurt. You can still be naughty or you can be an absolute purist and have the pure Eden, which is just literally blended kale, spinach, cucumber, pineapple, mint, all that yummy stuff. So you can, but but without question, everything is food. Yeah. And did the salad bar that I know you started called Tosses, which is the most hilarious name. I love it. Was that before Boost? Was that the first no, it was iteration? Afterwards. It okay. was about like, you know, as you go into the business, you're always looking at ways of growing. Yeah. And so we wanted to do another brand. And I think, you know, when you're back there, quite often it was, you know, business was booming. And so you had a, a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, arrogance. Yeah, I'd say it's arrogance of thinking, oh, how, how we're, we're queens at retail. We can do it, right? Mm. And um, and then what it, what it taught me was that you know starting a new brand isn't so easy when it's not your sole focus. Yes. So yeah. you know Tosses was great when I had this great girl in there, but as soon as she came out of it, if you don't love it, breathe it, think about it. So every single day I wake up and I think something about Boost. I think how do I get better? How do we improve? How do we do all the things we need to do? No one was doing that for Tosses. Yeah. So you've got for business, you have to be obsessive. And. Back to so back to Boost being the first one, it does take a lot of risk and, and often a lot of conversation with yourself around doubt and fear and failure and all those kind of thoughts to get something like that off the ground. And I mean, you didn't take a salary for three years, is that right? Correct. For the first yes. three years. Um, it was five years before Boost turned a profit. You sold your house that you shared with Jeff, the hairy man who just walked in before, to fund the business. You know, it's not, it's I think people do sometimes think you had an idea overnight success, but there's so much sacrifice and and challenge in between. So how did you navigate that scale up process from one store to now what five hundred in fifteen countries? Six hundred and thirty. Six hundred. You need to update your website. I know. I'll make a note of that. We grow pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, and you started in Adelaide, which yeah, was did. not your hometown at the time, no. but one small store in Adelaide to now six hundred and thirty. I don't know. With a lot of you know movement and highs and lows and things in between how did you navigate that process well I can honestly say I wasn't scared I wasn't worried about it I wasn't any of those emotions and the reason is I didn't know enough yeah naivety is good sometimes no it actually there was two things that drove me naivety got me started and fear kept me going and so naivety got me you know by the time I worked out that 
it wasn't a you know a side job that I could do to raise my children and be that it was absolutely obsessive and I had to do 120 hours a week by the time I realized that out by the time I realized <laughs> that um it was we're too far in to do anything I'd already sold my home we'd already had every cent we had in it and we were on the journey so in some respects by not having a clue which I didn't have a clue but every single day having that that tenacity to actually find a solution to every problem that happened and every day there was a problem and there was a pro- there was a system to solve I mean I became the the excel queen with every single day well okay when that went wrong how do I make sure that doesn't go wrong in the future mm. so it's that constant right how do we continue to evolve if I'm repeating a task there must be a better system on it so even back then 20 years ago I was an early adopter of any single technology that was out there that made my life easier yeah and back then trust me technology just didn't work <laughs> it was a nightmare I would argue it's still sometimes still oh, <laughs> but definitely improved me, from, from now my god it's completely different <laughs> and that um, was 2000 wasn't it so what 2000 was, yeah. yeah so you know internet was still that you know ding ding <laughs> you know, that, like, <laughs> yeah. anytime four hours later I might be able to get a google search and there was nothing on google because no one knew about it like yeah so so naivety certainly got me going and by the time I knew enough to know that it was risky and dangerous I was so far in it was too late anyway yeah but I think that um so I think sometimes just getting going and solving the problems on the journey but if but then again you know I wouldn't have changed anything because if I came across me now and I said Janine can you give me some advice about the journey I would probably just say do it exactly how you did it yeah and the reason being is that there would be heaps of things I could tell the younger Janine to avoid to do it right but then without those mistakes I wouldn't have put systems in place to avoid them in the future or the business wouldn't be what it is today so I think business and life even me as a person yeah without all and I haven't either things none of us I think can sit down and go I have been this absolute angel and you know <laughs> I have done everything right um how boring would that be? I know, I know. But and thank God there's no Facebook because I can lie. <laughs> yeah. I never did that. That wasn't me. Yeah. Prove it. Yeah. But the um, but with it though is without with all the things that have happened and there's some you know everyone has their, their bags of things that have been really shitty mm. in their lives. But without all that stuff, you wouldn't have the fortitude, or without all that stuff, you wouldn't have the lessons, or without all that stuff, you wouldn't be the person you are. So you are a combination of all the things you are. Yeah. And you know, I quite like me. Yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> I do. Yeah. That's actually hard. I think it is hard for a lot of people to get comfortable with themselves yeah. and is one of the biggest challenges when you have a good idea. It doesn't matter how good the idea actually is. It is a very natural human reaction to doubt your ability to actually do it. Yeah. And I think that's probably what I get asked the most for you know aspiring business owners is how do you get through that fear at the beginning and I love the idea that you say naivety actually helps because you just got to rip the band-aid I always say don't do too much research you'll talk yourself out of it don't wait too long done is better than perfect just start because you'll talk yourself out of it for sure that's right you can analysis paralysis yeah exactly and at some point you've got to get started because no matter what research you do nothing is more important research to someone opening their wallet and paying for it yeah so along the way if fear at the beginning wasn't wasn't a big obstacle for you what have been the biggest challenges so no, i say no, fear fear was a massive obstacle but in actual fact i saw it, it no actually it's not true fear was there yeah but it wasn't an obstacle yeah okay you, you i used it to drive I was a massive driver it was a massive motivator like I was I knew what I didn't know I think awareness was an important part so for example I would go if someone gave me a contract to sign I didn't just go oh you're the lawyer I'll sign it 
I was fearful that if I signed it, I was obliged to it. And if I didn't know enough about it, then then that could be go pear shape in the future. So the fear drove me to sit down in front of a lawyer and circle every single thing in a contract, which there was a lot that I didn't know, <laughs> and made sure they explained it to me. Yeah. So, so in actual fact, fear of competitors always at my clipping on my heels made me be the sharpest business I could be. Yeah. You know, fear that the customers weren't going to come back. I mean, there was every time I opened a store, I was like, I hope someone comes, right? You know, <laughs> you like a birthday party. <laughs> you, do, you open the doors and go, please come, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, exactly like a birthday party. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so it, it is that. Um, it's healthy because if you were arrogant and go, I'm going to open the doors, people are going to come, maybe you won't promote it. Maybe yeah. you won't try so hard. You'd be too comfortable. Correct. On the flip side then, did you find that one of the challenges of being so motivated and being able to channel your fear or your self-doubt into action, did you find that now you're a mother of four, fitting in, you've added salsas to the mix and SIBO, espresso, how then do you not burn out like for for um, for lack of wanting to slow down because everything is, you see the work that you're who's, doing. Who's saying you don't? Who's saying you don't burn out? Yeah, I mean, is that a challenge for you? Of course you burn out. Yeah. Of course you do. Like, yeah. you, you know, you've got, you know, whether you've got kids or not kids, you know, you're running at a million miles an hour. You've, you're managing a team of, you know, hundreds of people. You've got stores. You know, well, now there was. But that, you know, <laughs> yeah. Hundreds of people then goes into thousands, which goes into, you know, where it is. So um, you absolutely do. Not only you burn out, you smash yourself against a wall. Yeah. And you, you do the... Um, you and how I dealt with it was, you would feel like you've got you've got your buckets empty. There's nothing more in the bu- the bucket. It's scraped dry, and so I would just pop myself off to you know Guingana or Golden Door or mm. one of the health retreats. Basically, go there for five days, sit under a tree, um, breathe, eat good food, walk up a few mountains. Re- so basically, I put more stuff back in my bucket, yeah. and then off I go again. Yeah, empty the bucket again book myself into golden door so that was my only way of surviving yeah because it was it was that you know it gave me because in actual fact what you do is no matter how much you love what you do even as a parent there's days where you go i don't want to be a bum today yeah. i'll be one tomorrow but today i just, <laughs> just need a give break. me a minute <laughs> yeah same with business you know yeah. i love my business but i need a break from it and yeah. so you've got to give yourself those breaks and you know, of course, we're arrogant enough to think that the business will fail without us, you know. But if that's the case, then you haven't hired the right people. Yeah, it's actually a good test to so, see if it can yeah. survive. Without I mean, you. how good is a business without you? Yeah. I mean, that is a good test. It's funny that you said, "Who's saying that you don't burn out?" I feel like there are a lot of people who say that, not say that they don't burn out, but who project the idea of work-life balance as a lot more balanced or achievable than it actually is which then puts so much pressure on everyone to kind of feel this balance and search for it when in reality balance just means like whatever happens on the day <laughs> like it's not a, it's it's not this elusive balance that we're all striving for it's just trying to fit in things and still feeling like a human in between yeah look i am um, yeah life is not an instagram post right yeah the and the reality is with balance is if you want to go down the and this is my experience and my view and other people who have got this balance thing whatever this thing is <laughs> yeah right? who knows what that is i have no idea what that means but anyway um if you want to go down a path of a business owner and you want this to be a big business then there's no such thing as life balance it's just life yes right and part of life is you know there's you know for me it's you know my husband my wife my my, my work my children my schooling my everything is all intertwined. you know i don't have a 
necessarily weekend and go, right, it's weekend, no more boost. Woohoo. Right? <laughs> yeah, pause. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I'm not thinking about it. You know, as if there's not a there's not a moment, a day that goes by that I'm thinking about what can we do? How can we do it? How can we do it better? And it doesn't matter. You know, we talk, you know, it's called a public holiday for a reason. You know, I'm not part of the public. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you go, you're a business owner. People you're not need public. smoothies on public holidays. Apparently, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so you do, like, you do sort of just go, that, like, it, it, it is that, um, you know, this life balance. I've, I think if those people have found it, well, good luck to them. It's like finding the holy grail. Mm. But but who wants it? I, I'm not turning and saying, I have not found life balance, poor me. I'm going, get over it. Yeah, I have a great life and I have had a great journey. And, you know, I think 20, and, 20 to 30s is a social experiment. 30s to 40s are climbing your Everest and you know 40s to 50s you should be on the rudder not so much the oars anymore and then 50 plus yeah you should be really helping the people climb up the ladder behind you yeah which shark tank has been a big part of for you it has yes how has that gone did you have you found that being on tv has added a public element to your role that makes it harder to get your privacy like you're a tv star now you know do you get stopped on the street how does how's that all played out no, for you really really i think look probably because i look like i do now right with my hair in a bun and having a microphone <laughs> which is probably what i look like most of the glowing time. it's the boost everyone and it's the boost <laughs> and people go you look familiar yes not that person has had two hours in a makeup chair. <laughs> yeah that's that's not me um the look i think no i think people people are really polite you know I, I don't know maybe maybe they don't recognize me i don't know i mean occasionally, occasionally people will come up and you know mainly airline stewardesses and pitch an idea oh i know there's a lot of entrepreneurs yeah do you on get airline. pitched on the street no no people oh. people are really polite mind you i'm always in a mission i'm always on a mission yeah you're not you know? just floating around inviting random no. questions and not only that i go to my yeah I'm a, I'm a rain man you know i go to the same cafe i have the same same coffee i have the same smoothie i have the same juice i have the, you know i'm a rain man so <laughs> so people that Routine where do important. i go yeah people see me you know actually they know who you are yeah it's quite funny you know we um we go to a park the same park as gary from MasterChef. oh yeah and his gorgeous wife mandy and um you know we probably see her most mornings we'll sit sit in the park she's got a massive great dane and and molly who her dog adores us and i've got my you know three dogs because two dogs is not enough apparently yeah well three dogs and four kids like that's easy what and you know and so you just you, know, you talk you, you catch up in the middle of the oval and you talk about he talks about his life and i talk about my life and you yeah. know we laugh about things and it's it's we're just people yeah. you know and it's so people don't really you know do the i think australia's i think australia's applied Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's really good to hear. So moving on from the NATA, our last segment is called Play TA, which is kind of a little bit like walking your dogs and doing all those things. I think our identities get very caught up in our output and productivity and achievement. And I think a lot of us find it hard to define ourselves and find value outside of productivity. But I think it is important to cultivate an identity outside of your work because we all need downtime. And I find my ideas are a lot more creative when I do kind of step away from just trying to fix things and making them better all the time. What is your play? Do you do anything just for joy that's not necessarily learning, working, anything related to business or that's not advancing yourself? Do you do board games, puzzles? Are you a TV watcher? Um, 
I do a lot of a lot of, a lot of the above. Like I love our cards. We're a big card playing family. Oh wow! We do that. Uh, so yeah, like Chris, even Christmas Day, we clear the decks and we play Texas Hold'em. Oh, that's amazing! And um, <laughs> yeah, so we're big card players. So that's sort of our family thing. Um, you know, I'm happy with sand between my toes. Yeah. You know, I love the beach, but I think you need to find what your happy place is. You know, some people go, you know what, um, I need to have dirt under my nails, you know, for me to be happy and that's in the garden or I need to be in the forest in a creek or I need to be on the ocean or I need to, yeah, a lot of people to do with nature. I think that that's mm. a very much grounding. Yeah. So I think people need to find their their happy place. I mean, the beach for us saved us as a, as a mentally yeah. because that was when you sort of just went, I could breathe and I can get the fresh you know, air into my face. Yeah. So I think that is that. Um, you know, at 40, I took up surfing, yoga. Last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last week. Last week. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I took up a lot. I, I had a bit of a aha moment when I was 40 and started to do, I took up horse riding. I took up all these different things. Um, and, you know, and still to this day do all of those things and love it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, you just, but you need to find your, yeah, the thing that gives you that, balance and it's not necessarily life balance um, as such but it's just part of what makes up the tapestry of life yeah I always talk about this because when I was a corporate I people to ask you know what are your passions outside of what you do and I didn't have an identity outside of it genuinely didn't know what I was interested in well people say what do you do so I'm defining you as who, yeah. who what do you do so oh, I'm a stay-at-home mum oh are you oh that must be boring for you like I know that's not true I know like, I've got my I've got a gang there's probably a gang of four and um they're you know the four girls we we every three months we go to Nobu or we'll do yoga in the morning have Love breakfast Nobu. or whatever whatever we do and, you know, one's a stay-at-home mum, but she's bloody good at it. Like, yeah. She's really – and loves it. That's her gig. She's a machine at it. She's fantastic. Another woman um, is she, – she's a saint. Um, she is – you know, she does, you know, women's circle. She does corporate – helps corporate women be the best they can be. Mm. Um, and the other one is a um, – uh, she does oh, – they're so much nicer people than me. <laughs> She does volunteer work. She's a she's a school teacher. She's into marine life. She's just and these four women are just divine. Mm. And they're not necessarily this is what they are. They're just bloody good women. Mm. And you know that you need those good women around you. Yeah, and I also love finding that stuff out. That's why I love this question because I do think we always say, "What's your name? What do you do?" But we don't dig much further than that because the rest of the conversation falls into, oh, that's a cool job. What does that involve? Blah, blah, blah. I, I also, when you reflect on it, though, because sometimes you go, what is school? I think what people are doing when they're asking questions is they're trying to find a link to have a further conversation. Yeah. So if that you said, oh, you're in politics, right. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Let's talk about politics. Or mm. you're a lawyer. Oh, okay. Like, So I think what people are trying to do, they're not trying to judge because I think no, some people get yeah. offended that, Oh, you're you know um you've asked me to stay at home, mum. You're now like what? They're just trying to situate you and find common. Well, they're trying to ground. trying a common ground to continue the conversation because in yeah. actual fact, true conversations are interesting and interested. Yes. And what you'll find is, and you have a think about over summer. Think about this comment now, that when you're having a conversation with someone, in your head go, have they asked me how I am? Yes, it's a good one. Or are they standing there just talking at you about everything about them? And that's okay. Sometimes I find that quite a nice relief to be yeah. able to just, 
talk be about a passive them, listener. Right? <laughs> but it's really interesting because yeah. the conversations where you leave and say, I've had a great conversation with someone, it's when you've gone, so tell me about you and let me share my insights. And then they ask a question. That's when that's when the really juicy conversations come because people are really interested and interesting. Yeah, that's gold. But yeah. the amount of times you have to think you you notice you'll notice it now when you now talk to think someone about it. Yeah. and they're asking you you sit there and they'll talk about and they just talk all about them and you go yeah. that's really interesting. you'll fin the conversation. I go, gee, Sarah was a good conversation. Yeah. You go. I'm a good listener. I was happy with the listening, but yeah. interesting that they didn't even ask. Yeah, that's a good one. I've actually spent the last month, or since starting the podcast actually, with a similar but different social experiment of forcing myself not to ask what people do, but still having an engaging conversation. Nice. So I have to ask them something else about their life and still find common ground, yes. but work around their career to find what they're interested in so otherwise. You could actually say, what do the colleagues you work with do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does the building that you rock up at every That's day right. look like yeah. and called that's right exactly yeah. just google that yeah what is your linkedin handle yeah, exactly there you go so just to finish up what are three things that are interesting about you that don't usually come up in interviews okay. just random interesting things that you know um i have two goats you have two goats i have two goats that's great i know called cotton and candy i was gonna say what are their names cotton, cotton candy, candy yeah and they're crazy and we we um <laughs> we got them and i thought as as little I don't even call baby goats. Yeah. I don't even know what baby goats are called. What are baby oh, goats kids. Called? Kids. No. No. Yeah. Kids. Kids, right. I got them as kids, right? And uh, because we've got them for the farm, but I wanted to, to bond with them. So I had them suburbia for like two months. Imprinting. So were these, so these goats that literally were in the house. It was, <laughs> it was quite, I felt like a mad goat lady. So I have goats. Um, what else do you not know about me? I don't know. I'm such an open book. I just a lot of people say that, which is a good trait if there's not a lot to you know show or do you have like any weird habits any pet peeves mine's slow like people who walk slowly three deep on a footpath just like move yeah i'm fast i'm a fast walker yeah oh no i'm a fast worker and i'm a i I do pbs with airports oh i always do personal best how do i get out of the airport the quickest that's great and i can't (laughs) i did stand to be traveling with people who who check luggage I love how you can fit your whole life into a. a I can. A I, we did Japan for two weeks as a family, all hand luggage. No. Yeah. Yep. So that's impressive. So if people travel with me; they have to travel hand luggage. I hate checking luggage. <laughs> that's a good one. I like uh, that. Can't stand it. <laughs> and then I can't stand dawdlers at airports. Oh yeah. If you're travelling with me, mate, you keep up with me. Yeah, we are not dithering. No. No, I'm. I'm like pacing through. I'm like my laptop's already out of the case before I go to security. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we travel well together. So I think that's my pet peeve. Actually. <laughs> and just the final question, since I love quotes so much, what is your favourite motivational quote? Oh. I think you shared seven in Fiji, which were amazing. And I screenshotted oh. them, and I've got them somewhere at home. But I know. I should actually, them for this. Enough, I did Google. There was someone was saying about I had a whole lot of quotes. I actually Googled. Um, Janine Ellis quotes. Oh, your own quotes. I, mean, I thought, wonder what they are. And I read them and went, actually, some of them are not bad. <laughs> not bad. I should really follow that. That's a good I'm one. I should, clever. I should know. I should actually take my own advice and do that one. Um, my own quotes. I look, you know, obviously Steve Jobs' quote, which was that um, people who are crazy enough to change the world usually do. Yeah, I mean, that's I like it. That that's one. one. I think probably Einstein quote of, um, I'm not smarter than someone, I just stay at problems longer. Yes, I think that is probably what we lack in this in this environment is we just don't Staying stay power. in problems. 
longer. Yeah, we're all very, um, it's like such an instant gratuity And then generation. for my quotes, Google Janina's quotes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everyone Google them. Because <laughs> there's apparently some good ones there. There's many. I've got and the slideshow. And then Sarah will put up the ones that I did from the conference. Yes, I will. I'll put those in the show notes and I'll put links to all of Janine's various links and handles and the different businesses so you can check out everything that is going on at Retail Zoo and with Janine. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. And um, this will come out in the new year, so I was about to say Merry Christmas, but Happy New Year to everyone. <laughs> I hope. I hope you have a great year. Oh, wonderful. Well, this was the perfect dose of motivation to get everyone started for an amazing 2019. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Have an amazing year. You too. (laughs) So it was a little shorter than our usual episodes, but no less full of pearls of wisdom. Janine was sitting cross-legged on a chair the whole time and you could hardly believe she's in her 50s. So Boost Juice is obviously doing something right. As always, I'll pop links in the show notes to her website and various books. And if you like what you're hearing, please do keep those screenshots and shares coming. I love seeing what you gain out of each one and the amazing places that you've been listening in. And please do take the time to leave an actual review on the podcast app too if you're enjoying seizing your yay, because that's what keeps me going to know that you're all getting some yay. I do hope your year is off to a fabulous start and I hope you're seizing your yay. 